0: Thank you, Miss Taylor. Even though you are a little forgetful and you don't keep your word, I love to hear you sing. When she was a lot younger than, than thirteen, she was running up and down the church here, and and uh, she thought she liked to travel with me. And uh, when I go to revival, she'd come sing for me. And uh, where'd she go? There she is. The first farmer came along with a shiny John Deere tractor, and she forgot all about singing with me. <laughs> but I love to I'd love uh, Miss Taylor, and I love to hear her sing. Thank you, Taylor. And the blood does say that you can. I want to uh, try to conclude this series of meetings tonight a little bit differently than ordinarily I would do because uh, I feel like we're in a a different time. This is not normal times. And the way people approach God for some reason has drifted from what was a pretty good way for a long, long time uh, to total different way of attempting the approach of God. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, and following, we will find our text tonight, and I realize you just sat down, but I'd like for you to stand up again. It's not hard to stand up for Jesus, right? Well, I represent him, so stand up. Matthew 24, 3, I ask you to stand in honor of reading his word tonight, and it begins like this. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the signs of your coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Now, I want to try to sum up a couple of things before we pray. The first thing I want you to hear is, Scripture does not say that every person on the face of the earth is going to hear about Jesus before he comes. It says that his word is going to be preached to all nations. And my friend, that's already been done. There is nothing that prevents the coming of the Lord tonight. And in the midst of all that, when all these things are coming to pass, indeed many of them already here, we find uh, what is passing as the church looking for ways to do it differently. Ways to do it better. But I want to share with you tonight that there is but one way to enhance your relationship with God, and that is to get alone with God. And that's what I want you to focus on tonight, being alone with God. Read just a little more and I'll pray. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord at Jesus Christ and by our gathering together with him, that you not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. The things, the two things, the main things that those two passages have in common is this. There will be a falling away from the right way just before the Lord comes. And I hope to show you tonight that that very thing is happening even as I speak to you tonight. Pray with me, please. Our Father, I come to you again tonight in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, for your patience, for your love, for your understanding, and I ask you, Lord, that you would be with my friends at uh, the Walking Faith Church. I ask you, Lord, as they go through this traumatic time, that you would pour out your spirit right where they are and help them, Lord, to work without being hurt and to repair what Obviously, spiritual forces have torn down. And then I ask you tonight, Lord, for this group of people who are here. I ask you, Lord, that revival would break out amongst them. I pray, Lord, that this church would fulfill its potential. That it would no longer be satisfied with just being good. But, Lord, help them to understand that they must seek to be the best, not for competition, but because you require of us that we be the best we can be for you. And so I ask you tonight, Lord, that you would forgive this flesh, that you would help me, Lord, through my incompetence and inadequacies, and somehow or other, Lord, I pray that you'll send a message to us tonight that every one of us, preacher included, would walk out of here saying, Lord, I'm ready to be alone with you. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you're being seated, let me give you a, a little bit of a, a, a background of, of what I'm trying to show you tonight. Not too long ago, I started doing some uh, searching to try to find out what trends were happening inside churches, especially Baptist churches. But as I began to search, I, I found that there are some other churches that are very much active right now in uh, in the trending things. Uh, you, you'll find a church, a, a large church doing a certain thing and uh, all of a sudden everybody in the nation is saying, how can I be like that church and how can we do that and become like them and all that sort of thing. And friend, I want you to know that all trends are not good. You may think they're good, but all trends are not good I've gone through a lot of, of generational cycles if you will and and I've watched things come to our, our our attention and to the forefront and some of those things boy they look so good to people that big crowds would come to participate in those and well you some of you've been in a, a part of all of that sort of stuff and then later on you found out that that was just a trend and it didn't last and that's that's exactly why I was doing all this researching. I've i got a lot of young people in the church where I pastor. You want to know why they're there? It's because of this young vital pastor that helps them out there every once in a while. And I'm kidding. You do know that, right? I'm their pastor. But nonetheless, the average age in that church is less than 30. There are enough babies in that church to start a a good-sized Southern Baptist church. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I believe last Sunday there were 20 babies there. I don't know how many small children. we got so many small children, I can't remember their names. Of course, I can hardly remember my name, but I really can't remember theirs. I, I, we, we, we've got a, a bunch of them off in this part of the building and a bunch in that just as you do here. God has blessed us with having these, all these young, young folks. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with being young, and there's absolutely nothing that will hurt a church with young people. As a matter of fact, If those young people are connected to Jesus, they're going to help a church, amen? I would much rather preach to a bunch of lively young folks than a bunch of old dead folks. And I am one. So I can say that, amen? Don't amen now, that is the wrong time. (coughs) Just checking you out. Anyway, there was this large contemporary church not too far distant from where I'm standing right now. And I ran across their service on YouTube and I got really interested in what was happening there because there was a long service before they ever got to what was going to be a message and I'd never seen anything like this before maybe some of you folks have and you'll say shame on you preacher that's a good thing and and I'll say you can be wrong go to heaven amen amen that is the place say amen now listen to this this is what I saw People came in. It showed them as they were coming through the door and there were a bunch of packets. And they were Lord's Supper packets. You picked up your packet. In the packet was your bread, your juice. I think it was juice. Nonetheless, you picked it up. You carried it with you. You carried it to your seat. For 45 minutes, there were games that were played on a big screen. Literally games where you you you, inside your packet there was a little card there and it showed you how to play the games. I don't know what the games were but you could tell people were sitting there and punching things and writing things and they played games and then there would be a little advertisement and then some more games and then some testimony then some more games. And I thought this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life and finally they got to the time where they were going to take the Lord's Supper. And the man stood up who was the pastor of this church, and this is what he said. He said, I want you all to take the contents of your package into your hands if you wish. But if you would like to do this as we go through this service today, you can just reach in there and get it and partake when you want to. We don't all have to do this together. You say, what's wrong with that? Everything absolutely everything. You say, well, surely after 45 minutes of that sort of stuff and folks out there nibbling on bread and whatever else they had in the sack and a little bit of juice every once in a while and a couple of little words, just very few words about what the Lord's Supper was about and and really did not explain it at all. Then they got to this point, the message. The message was five minutes long you know that ain't godly. Hmm? You say, you just say that because you preach a long time. Where were you last night? I watched that shaking my head because at one point while I was a pastor of this church, I had sent a team there to find out why their growth was happening. I wish I could take that trip back. Because friend, whatever that trending is, it certainly is not the way to get close to God. You said, didn't they sing? Yes. And when they sung, they sung loudly and together. And they were worshipful people. And they they, they would raise their hands and some would cry and some would have a big smile on their face and you could tell they were enjoying worship but it was very mechanical and then after they would do that a song or two they'd say, now sit and then they would do another game. That service lasted about an hour and 15 minutes something like that. And what I saw was a bunch of people I really think this is what the Lord showed me. They came together into a room because they felt like that's the only place that they were going to encounter God. They had to be in a crowd doing those sort of things together to encounter God. Have you read the Bible? Every great encounter with God grew out of being alone with God a very famous man once wrote no one has ever done much for God that has not been much alone with God listen to that again no one has ever done much for God that has not been much alone with him That's a true statement. I'm here to tell you that the way that people are seeking God today, by getting in a large crowd and and doing things in unison together, simply thinking that that is going to get them uh, closer to God. Friend, I have news for you. All it will do is give you some entertainment buzzes and you walk out the door. No, it not changed one little bit from when you walked in the door. And you can argue with that if you want to, but I've been observing it now for a long, long time. The trend is not working. I'm here to tell you again tonight that the trend ought to be you need to find yourself a closet to get into and pray to God and be alone with God because in those, those moments when you are alone with Him, that is when His sweet Small voice begins to whisper to you and tell you how he wants to be with you. You don't get that feeling in a Christian mosh pit or whatever you call those things. I saw a church service one time when they were throwing themselves off a stage and they were catching them. Good thing I wouldn't have dropped them. You say, or you're just old-fashioned, Brother John. <laughs> Guilty. But there is a time for assembling, and we know that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, so certainly we're supposed to do that. But we're supposed to do that because we have been alone with God. Not coming there to get with God, but worship him, praise him, celebrate Jesus because you have been alone with God. And if you don't approach him that way, it's not likely that you're ever going to get close to God. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 it says this. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen carefully. We are facing a time the likes of which has been seldom seen in the history of the church. It's a time of mixing the appearance of closeness and at the same time falling away from it. It's a time when the love of many is waxing cold. And further, it's a time of open sin being committed by those who feel sure they can control God's response to sin. And they can't what is the answer then? How might we turn the tide and make the church bold enough to win millions of people to the Lord before the Lord comes? And the answer is simply this. More of us need to get alone with God. You say, when? How? How? do you get alone with God? We have a lot of examples in the Bible. Did you know that? Let me share, first of all, in times of opportunity. You know, every once in a while, you you, you just stumble into something. Something good. Opportunity presents itself. And you have that, that prime moment that you can slip away. And just talk to God. Not have any interference at all. Just talk to God. I, I used to have a, a, some friends. I don't know if they still live there or not, but it's been a long time since I saw them, but they were a a Mexican family that lived in Jefferson City, Missouri. They were the Louisa family. They had a big factory, and they, they made chips for salsa that didn't have any carbohydrates to speak of in it. And boy, I, I like that. I love them chips and salsa and and I I figured, you know, since it didn't have a whole lot of carbohydrates in there, all the effort of doing all that stuff would use more calories than what was in the stuff. And so it didn't work. But I was really serious about it. But anyway, there was a young lady there that had had a similar account as mine as far as being paralyzed and and having a, a, a terrible, terrible experience uh, in her life. She had a lot of children, and she also took care of a lot of children. Her name was Teresa. And so I, I was I was invited to their home one night. Sherry and I got to go and, and get an authentic meal, and we sat down with them, the, the the grandparents, the the parents, all their kids. There must have been twelve or fourteen of us around the table, and uh, we were having a wonderful meal. And and uh, I all of a sudden I I thought I need to go to the restroom. I said, "Where's the restroom located?" And they pointed me to it, and I went down and went in that room. And I looked around, and it was literally wallpapered with scripture passages. You couldn't hardly see the paint on the wall for all of the scripture that was hung up there. It didn't matter if if you looked even at at the ceiling around where you come through the door. You could see scriptures up there. Every place that didn't have to be opened and closed had scriptures on it came out and finished the meal. We were all visiting pretty soon. I had an opportunity to be in a group of just three or four people with this young lady. I said, I have to know something. I said, "Uh, I noticed your bathroom. It has scripture everywhere. Why is it there? Most people just pack a Bible with them, amen? Nowadays, just take your smartphone. Act like you're not, (laughs) Just go right in there and you find the scripture, right? You all got it in your phone. You can do that. But that was before cell phones. She said, well, preacher, she said, it's like this. She said, I have five children. And there's stair steps. Now, I realize that's not a great feat when you're around Jake Gray. But nonetheless, five children. And she said, I, I, I do a, a, a little in-home thing where I take care of that many more small children. And she said, I don't know if you've had any experience with that many small children, but you don't have a lot of time for yourself when you do that. And she said, the only way that I can find to get alone with God is to go to the restroom, and if they try to interrupt me there, I say, I'm in the restroom, and they'll go away. And so she said, I can spend some time alone with God, and I can see the scriptures that have spoken to my heart. And she said, for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, me and God are this close. And when I come out the door, all that's in, in my way are little feet and little hands and cleaning up and doing all those things. And I can't hardly get alone with God until I go back to the restroom. You said, boy, that's pretty gross. <laughs> that lady going in the restaurant to get with God. Well, friend, don't call it gross because some of you wouldn't walk across the street to get along with God. Because what suffices as relationship is really whenever you get together with a bunch of people and say, boy, didn't we have a great, great feeling right now? You cannot have a corporate feeling with God. Listen to me. It has to be you and God. It's a one-on-one relationship. You say, well, surely God would accept something different than that. Listen, let me ask you something. Are you married? Would you accept a relationship when, when all of a sudden your, your wife says, hey, I'll tell you what, I'd like a whole bunch of more men in this relationship with us? No, it'd be all right for you to get together for a picnic, but not for that intimacy, amen? In intimacy, you want to be alone with God. Now, what is a time of opportunity Example in the Bible. Well, David is one of my primary examples. See, in the midst of being alone, God and David were together. Not just a little bit, but they were tight. David obviously learned to depend upon the Lord when he was with the sheep. Remember the lion and the bear? That David had fought and conquered and, 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 and was able to, to, to do things that were extraordinary. It wasn't because there was a whole bunch of shepherds around him that was helping him. It was because he was alone with God and God empowered him and gave him supernatural strength because they had been alone together. Have you ever seen one of those hillsides out there? I have there's nothing out there but rocks and little bitty stubs of green growing every once in a while in a sort of a community well so you can take your flock there to water it. If you go out there in the middle of the evening and I've been there at that time of evening and you can look up and you all you're going to see is stars and the planets and things like that and it is just it is just quiet, dead quiet. And it was there that David kept hearing from God. It was there that David learned to talk to God. You know, you can't say much to a sheep. Well, you can, but you'll be strange. Sheep is not going to answer you. All he knew was sheep. How many? Anybody here have been alone with sheep? <laughs> I got somebody over here. It takes somebody from Alaska to had come up with something like that. That's for sure. Alone with sheep. I get to thinking about sheep. Sheep are not much for companionship. They'll leave you for a blade of grass. Amen? Walk right away from the relationship just like that. They'll follow you because they think you're going to give them something to eat. And once they get their fill, they'll begin to wander away and stray and all sorts of things. You know what? Sheep don't make real good companions. Sure as I'm standing up here, somebody here's got a pet sheep. Never fails. Listen to this. David, sitting on that hillside, spoke to the only one who could hear him and understand him, is God. You don't have to have much imagination to see David... Praying that when the wild animals came for the flock, that he would have the strength to defeat them. Your imagination don't have to travel very far until you say, David must have prayed to God and said, God, I don't always want to be on this hillside. Whatever you've got for me, God, I want to do it. I believe, I believe in the aloneness, brother Jake. David got his words from God. Have you ever thought about this? David did not defeat the giant because he had marched with the army. But because he had been alone with God. Well, that ought to make somebody here want to shout right now. Amen? You may not march with the infantry like the little song says. Shoot the artillery. But I tell you what you can sure become a great warrior for God by just being alone with him. There, alone with God, he learned to depend upon God, no matter what the odds were against him. It was there that he learned that supernatural ability belongs to the one who gives God credit for it instead of our own self. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45 says this. Then said David to the Philistine you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. David was not a soldier in Saul's army. He was he was sort of drafted for the occasion. He didn't learn that kind of stuff marching in the army. He learned it out there on that hillside with those stinking sheep. How can you have a relationship with a sheep? You can't tell them apart. You'd have jealousy all the time. You'd tell the same one you loved them twice in the same day. You say, that's silly. No, no, it's not. Listen to me carefully. 1 Samuel 17, 46 says this. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and take your head from you, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. You know what? If David had not taken the opportunity to draw closer to God while he was with the sheep, he might never have thought to do it when faced with the giant. Please remember what I just said. Your strength does not come from hanging with giants. It comes from facing them because you've been alone with the sheep. Because you've been alone with God. Also, you can find uh, uh, this opportunity in other places, and I'm, I'm aware of that, but you can also be alone with God in times of opposition and oppression. Let me give you some more examples, okay? Okay. First of all, look to Elijah for an example of solitude with God. There is something to be said for solitude with God. For being alone with him. Something, you know what, I know absolutely nothing about submarines, but somebody here does. Is it, is it easy to think about God when you're in a boat in the down in the ocean and you're... Going all over the place like that—it seems to me like that'd be a good place to talk to God. Does it happen? Not that come. Thank you for being honest, Aaron. I tell you that—that that, you know what it ought to, though, shouldn't it? Because there's not a lot of things that are interfering at that time. If you're especially if you're off duty, you got a chance to be alone with God. You know, I've got guys in my church that take these—they they work for the boat companies on the rivers and stuff. Some of them are are sea going. They go out into the where they put. Uh, fuel onto the derricks and stuff like that and they're alone for a long time there's one of those guys that constantly is always sending messages to his family they're messages that are scriptural they're messages that say to his family I'm out here alone with God and I'm hearing from God and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about our relationship with God you do not have to forget about God because you think you're out of his presence by not being in the church house Now, this man, Elijah, had to flee. Do you remember the account of him fleeing? Let me share it with you. It's in 1 Kings 19, verse 11. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. And broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Who is that still, small voice? It's God. Elijah didn't run off for the excitement of a fire and an earthquake and all that sort of thing, strong winds, uh-uh. But he recognized God because of that still, small voice. It tells me Elijah had spent a lot of time alone with God. Anybody here, please hope there's somebody here who has spent some time in a prayer closet, wherever you might have had it, and in the quietness of your, your condition at the time, Maybe you went in there because you were depressed. Maybe you're in there because you're oppressed. Who knows why you're there, but you remember going in there and in the quietness of the moment, crying out to God, and you heard God speak to you. I am here. Let's talk. Well, friends, I want you to know, revival is not hooping and hollering and jumping pews. It's hearing that voice. I am here. Let's talk. Tell me what's wrong. And I'll give you answers. Come out to where I am. Where I can see you. Where I can minister to you. And you'll hear from me. listen I know most of you <laughs> have, have read this whole passage but uh, if you have you'll note that Elijah was going to get a great message from his God A tremendous word. He's going to be told to anoint another prophet. He's going to be told what to say when he meets certain people. All of these instructions, these things that are so important to the prophecy this man brought forth depended upon him being alone with God in that cave. He wouldn't have got those messages trying to find out what was causing the wind or running from the shaking or deciding to jump into a fire. He got it from listening quietly and carefully to God. You know, Elijah spent some time in a cave and received more authority and power than he could have ever imagined. Do you remember why he went to that cave? He thought that Ahab and his family were going to kill him. And he ran. But God said, I'll find you, Elijah, when I can find you alone. had a lot of notoriety, what he had just done. His name was on everybody's lips. But God didn't want to speak to him when he was so popular. He wanted to speak to him when he was afraid and alone. That way, the message got across. Look to Noah tonight also as one that's being forced to be alone with God. Did you know that sometimes God literally forces you to be alone with him? Some of you are looking at me tonight like a calf at a new gate. I don't understand this, but let me ask you again. Do you understand that sometimes the things that happen to you are happening so God can speak to you? Alone. Anybody here ever have some bad things come into your life? You're going to have to participate. Some of you have. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're either very, very fortunate or you're a good liar. Because if you live very long, you're going to experience it. Amen? And it's sometimes that God says, this is going to happen so I can speak to you. We run around so fast, sometimes God can't find us to speak to us. Sometimes he'll drive us right into a hole in the wall so that he can say something, and we'll understand it. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah was told that what was going to happen in the world, rain, and then he was told to build a boat to close himself off from the rest of the world. That's a bad day in most people's lives. Amen? But perhaps no one else has ever been that alone with God. Bouncing up and down, on waters that were not there before, one little window <laughs> that you look out every once in a while, and and you don't open it up very very long, you'll drown, raining like everything. The accommodations are terrible. Any of you ever stay in a motel where things just weren't good? Well, try getting on an ark with all those stinking animals. And living there for a long, long time. I got news for you. He felt alone. And God had him there for a reason. Because if you stay in the world, you'll become so focused on the world that you can't get alone with God. If the world captures your attention, if the world Grabs your affection if the world beckons you and you follow. I got news for you, friend. Your ears close. Your spiritual ears will not hear what God has to say. And what he wants to say to you is, I love you. I'm with you. I'll be here when you need me. You just have to trust me. You say, how do you know what God is going to say? I've read the word of God. And that's what he says over and over and over. And if you get along with him, you'll hear him say, child, I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. Don't be afraid. I am God. Today, Christians are so consumed with what's happening in our world, they don't even have time for God anymore. That's why the need for revival is so great. We put more emphasis and focus on sports, on entertainment, on hobbies. I'm assuming this church is still like it used to be 10 years ago, and I can tell you that not everybody who who is a part of this church can't wait to get there on Sunday morning. Some of them want to hide away in the world on Sunday morning. Don't feel bad because most churches are that way today. Look to the Apostle John as a pattern from hearing from God. You say, how do I hear from God? You've got to be alone with God. You want to hear him? Remember where John was when he heard from God? Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom, and the patience of Jesus Christ was in the aisle that was called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a voice of a great trumpet. Now friend, I want you to know where John was was not a place of comfort. He was on Patmos. He was in the most isolated place the Roman government could find. They put him there so he wouldn't have any contact with the world. They put him there because they were scared of what he was saying in the world. But you know what? God can find you wherever you have been driven to. He can find you and speak to you. And just like he did with John the apostle, he can give you great, great words from God. See, they just hadn't figured on God finding that place where they put John. John knew, and I know, that you can't go anywhere and get away from God. There in the Spirit on the Lord's day, John was given a revelation from God, and along with God, he got a word from God, and he got news for you. You don't get those kind of words unless you're in the Spirit on the Lord's day not looking for a crowd so that you can corporately hoop and holler and do those things, that's fine. If you want to do it for a while, but cool it down and then get quiet and listen to God speak to you. That's one of the greatest needs we have in our church lives today is to hear a word from God. Look to Paul as an example of one who underwent tremendous change. While he was alone with God. You say Paul was alone? Yes. Did you read the story about his, his call? Did you, did you read about his, his trip to Damascus and how the Lord accosted him there on the way? Did, did you read how he, he knocked him to the ground? Did you, did you read about how his eyesight was all messed up? And I know you read that Paul got up off the ground and did a great, great work for God. But what you did not read it likely is that there were three years, long years that passed that he was hiding away alone. He didn't just get up and jump into the gospel. He got alone and listened to God three long years before he ever went to Jerusalem. I tell you what, we got some great examples in here, right? Who cool like this? Yeah. In fact, Paul spent most of his Christian life in seclusion. I'm afraid to ask if anybody here has ever been to jail. Paul was in jail a lot. By the way, some of those trips to the jail was really something with the Apostle Paul. You know why? Because God spoke to him when he was alone in places like that. You and I, we'd be whining. Oh, God, look what you've done to me. You've got me in prison. I didn't do anything. This food stinks and everything else stinks. I can't believe you'd do this to me, God. And Paul is down there saying, you know what, brother? I think we better sing a note or two. Let's do a little praising God. And long about midnight, a little shaking at the door. Long about midnight, shackles fall off. along about midnight, the Lord says, come on, Paul. We're going for a walk. (laughs) We're not staying in here. You're not bound anymore. You're not chained anymore. I just set you free, Paul. Come on, Paul. I found you where you were, all alone in a prison cell. Not even in the normal prison cell, in the stinking basement of that thing. The inner prison. Well, Third and last, some of you are starting to figure out why last night was so short. (laughs) In times of observation, listen carefully, in times of observation, that's when God begins to deal with those that he's going to use you don't get that in the was it, did I say that right? A while ago, mosh pit, mash pit. This didn't sound right, so I didn't want to say that. I. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking about. Just a bunch of excitement. Moses, <laughs> is Moses a good example? Listen to this. He had his senses sharpened while he was alone with God. He was was moving out, man. I mean, this guy was in trouble. On the backside of the desert, on the side of a mountain, a barren mountain, I might add, found a bush, something green growing on the mountain, but the bush was burning. And the bush wasn't being consumed. Are you still with me? And you know what? Even Baptists are a little inquisitive. I think Moses might have been a Baptist, Jew Baptist. He uh, he's turned aside, the Bible said, to see what was going on. It's all alone. There's nothing up there. Moses and a bush. And the bush is burning. You know what? God sometimes speaks to us in miraculous ways and many of us go right by it. Not giving it the time of day. Not really looking at it, trying to determine what it is. Let me help you with this. Moses walked up to that bush and he heard a voice. You all know what it said, right? Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. You know, in modern vernacular, what he just said, Moses, you just found God in the middle of the loneliest place on the planet. I'm going to have a word with you, Moses. Who is this Moses? Well, he's the guy that can't speak. He's the guy who's reluctant. He's the guy who's saying, I can't do anything, God. Why would you call me, God? Why are you doing this to me, God? I'm not ready to do this. I don't want to do this. God says, just hold still. I'm doing a work on you. I'm going to sharpen you. I'm going to use you greatly. You say, he used Moses greatly? Do you call that greatly? Yeah. How many of you got a stick and then made this ocean part? It's pretty great, I would think. (laughs) He became... At one point, a shining example. How many of you know where I'm going with this? Moses got alone with God on the mountain again. Do you know that? God called him up there said, Moses, come up here. Like my God voice, come up here. And Moses went up there alone with God. And there God said, I'm giving you the law. Now do you think Moses would have received that law down there with two and a half million people and all of them trying to go in a different direction? He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have been able to concentrate. He was up on that hill up there to become a shining example because when he came down, he shined so bright that he had put a hood over his face. Had to cover his skin. Because if he didn't cover his skin, it looked like one of those those lights that's flashing when they're advertising something on the highway and, and it's saying, God did this, God did this, God did this. It scared them people to death. <laughs> so they made him cover up. Somebody asked Moses, why you wear that stuff? Nowadays you see kids walking around in, in, in the middle of the summer and they got this great big old hood thing on their head going like this, you know. I can't walk like they do. It's a swagger and I tried that and I fell once and I ain't doing it again. But you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Moses was told, cover it up, Moses. Kids, listen to this. He was the first hoodie. A shining example. Moses, every time they would ask him to say, you ain't going to believe this. (laughs) But I was alone with God. Back up on that mountain again. And God began to write on these stones the commands for us. The only chance we have at the time was to obey the law. Moses got it while he was alone with God. Have you ever been alone with God? I was alone with God. I still remember lying seven months on my back in a hospital bed, looking up, could not look down. And unless somebody turned my head, I could not look around. If you think that won't put you alone in the middle of a hospital, you are wrong. People would come in sometimes and they would turn me or they would would help me with some other bodily function. My wife sat right beside me for months, did everything for me. She was with me. I know she was with me, but you know what? I was alone with God. And there came a time when God spoke to me and said, don't pay attention to what those doctors are saying. I am with you. And I will raise you up. So I began telling all the doctors when they came in the room, paralyzed for months, lying there. God's healed me. Oh, I had some other help. My Pentecostal mother-in-law sent me a prayer cloth. You all know what that is? Hey, don't don't laugh at it, man. They pin, I said, pin that puppy on me. As a matter of fact, you can get a whole bunch of them, pin them on me. I'll take what I can get. I want to get out of this place. But God began to speak to me, and he told me the truth. They told me I would never walk again. My voice was paralyzed. I literally could not make sounds. Whisper is all I could do you have trouble hearing me? Do I remotely look paralyzed? I mean, I'm fat and ugly, but I am not paralyzed. God has taken good care of me, just like he said, and he told me that in the quiet moment in my life, unlike any other I ever experienced. Listen to me. Pick yourself tonight a biblical figure who did a lot for God, and you will find out that they spent A long time alone with God. Remember Samson? Samson who had failed God? I'll tell you what. Old Samson was alone with God for a long time, walking around and around and around, making that grindstone grind the meal. And they couldn't tell it, but he was hearing from God. And he realized when his strength started coming back, and You think Samson just figured out exactly where to put his hands and to push and make all that stuff fall down? No, 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 no. It wasn't one of those Chinese puzzles. Sorry if there's any Chinese in here, but it wasn't one of those kind of puzzles. Instead, God was saying, here, Samson, have somebody help you and push over there and you'll do exactly what I said you would do and you'll kill more Philistines in that one act than you've done in your whole life. Friend, I want you to know, marching with the masses will never provide the stillness that you need to hear from God. I've learned a lot about God from teachers. Most of us have, amen? And I've become intimate with God, not in my time with my teachers, but in my solitude with God. The place that I have been more alone with God at at any other time except in the hospital was in altars where I closed everything else off and said, Lord, I'm ready to hear a word from you. Tell me what you want me to know. Show me, Lord, and I will obey. I said this already, but let me say it again. Worship time should be a celebration time. What you celebrate, you say, it should be the time you celebrate the quiet times you've had with him for the previous six days. And you might say, well, what if I don't have those quiet times and you don't have much to celebrate, do you? Worship is a celebration. Of what God has done for you. And he'll always do it. It's quiet. You get a word from. The overflow of being in his presence every day. That little girl that went into that bathroom there in Jefferson City. To get away from 10 kids. That young lady that went in there and read those scriptures and prayed and of all places, a bathroom. Don't you think she got some strength to carry on and do what she was doing? I guarantee you she did. I'm about finished, Jamie, if you want to come. Worship ought to be the gateway of the week that follows in which more aloneness with God is yours for the asking. And I referenced some people at the beginning of the service today and I didn't mention the name of that church because you would know the name of that church. But I can tell you this you can find that very same thing happening in churches all over the world. They'll grow. Many of them will grow. They won't grow strong. They'll grow out, not deep. And if they're not careful, they'll be a people who'll spend their lives doing what they're doing without hearing a word from God great things are possible to those who believe that god can be found in the quietness hebrews 11:6 and then i'm going to ask you to bow your heads but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently Seek him. Did you hear what that said? What do you think it means to diligently seek God? Does it mean to run to and fro and try to find the most exciting thing you can find? Absolutely not. It means that you get to where you know God can hear you and speak back to you in the quietness, the aloneness of the moment. And if you want to see Revival Church, I have news for you. You'll find him in that quiet moment. You'll be changed in a quiet moment. It won't be in the heat of excitement. It won't be in the wind, the earthquake, no, no, no. It'll be in that little voice saying, child of mine, I'm here. Come out and talk to me. I believe God is saying to you tonight, church, come talk to me. Get along with me. Forget about everything else. and Focus instead on your need for me. That's God's message to you tonight. If you're here without Christ, I'm going to be down here, Jake's going to be down here. There's a lot of people in this room right now that can lead you to Christ. If you'll come during the invitation, just make one of us, me or Jake, know that you need to be saved. I guarantee you the word is true and the word says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He does not want a person here in this room to go to hell. I don't care what anybody has told you, what their doctrine is, God has not designed a single solitary person to go to hell, or that scripture could not be true. And if that scripture be not true, then the word would not be true. Having said that, would you please stand, bow your heads for just a moment. Our Father, in Jesus' name, this is the time, the calling to the place of aloneness with God. This is the time that we beg you, Lord, begin to go up and down these aisles and speak quietly into the hearts of every man, every woman, every child here to help them, Lord, to know that you stand ready to meet them in the quiet moment, this moment in their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life, Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.